this is Roger Green, host of the Surfing the Nash Tsunami podcast. This weekend, we are offering five conversations, one from our season three, episode 20, which was the getting to know you conversation with Jorn Schottenberg, and four from episode 21, which included newsworthy conversations with Naeem Al-Khoury and Donna Cryer. This conversation starts with Donna Cryer saying she is delighted to be bringing three pieces of news to this interview. The first is that NCQA recently released a paper on quality standards for Nash patients titled, and I quote, a rallying cry, improving coordinated care for people with non-alcoholic steatohepatitis. Hepatitis. The second news is a paper from the American Heart Association on the links between heart disease and NAPLE or NASH. And the third is the launch of Global Liver Institute's Liver Health is Public Health campaign. The conversation delves into these three topics in greater detail with particular focus on the importance of quality standards in educating patients and the value of taking a public health view of liver disease, particularly in the context of declining life expectancies in major countries and the larger impact this decline has on underserved communities. All these are topics worthy of consideration, so take a deep think with this one. One thing we've been blessed with on the Nash Tsunami podcast is brilliant, compelling, and charismatic guests. Jorn has been so fantastic, we invited him to join us every week. Back at the beginning, we invited Donna to join us every week, but her schedule and self-care needs couldn't handle the grind. And I'd love to have Naeem with us a lot more often, but a guy who runs a clinic in Phoenix, another in Cleveland, has headquarters in Tucson, is helping to raise two kids, and goes to conferences around the world, has a pre-packed schedule. It was really powerful to kick around treatment models with Jorn, and equally, if not more so, to learn about some of the exciting work that Naeem and Donna are doing. Every episode is fun, but frankly, recording this set of interviews is near the top of my list. So sit back, listen. Enjoy, learn, and when you're done, join the dialogue on our LinkedIn discussion group. Not to tee this up, but you said you actually had news for us. Donna Cryer. I do. Um, I am very excited to announce, and uh, it is uh, live on the NCQA website and soon on the GLI website and, and other places, a new white paper that friends who are well-known to all of us, including Arun Sanyal and Ken Cousy, including Primary Care and others, have issued this white paper. So for everybody who was wondering, are the quality measures being built in for NASH? And all I could do was smile <laughs> previously. And so that's a great idea while we were working on this. And so with help from friends at, at Novo Nordisk, the National Committee for Quality Assurance convened several of us together and we issued a paper that's now public. It's called A Rallying Cry improving coordinated care for people with non-alcoholic steatohepatitis. I'm very excited to have this piece ahead of the meeting in Barcelona, where we'll also be discussing coordinated care and what does quality mean for NASH patients. You know, the guidelines process and the quality measure process are often obscure and opaque, but there are really important pieces to this puzzle of really having, at the end of the day, people with access to all of the elements to optimize NASH care that they need. That's fantastic. That really is exciting. I mean, the guideline process has been moving apace, right? It's a pace. That's what you can call it. <laughs> well, the, we're starting to see some guidelines from people. Yes. Yes. And I and I think the very exciting thing is that as we constructed the GLI Nash Council from the very earliest days, most people don't know, my first call was to my friend Nancy Brown, the CEO of the American Heart Association, to put this together to send a representative. And my next calls were to the Endocrine Society and ACE. That strategy of enlarging the tent and ensuring that all of those Nash adjacent physicians, whether they knew that the Nash was theirs or not, that they were at the table from the very beginning, we are 
seeing that in, in those guidelines in endocrinology and cardiology, AHA just had a big paper on NASH this week as well. And so I feel that the seeds that we planted at the very beginning of the convening of the GLI NASH Council are now blooming, which is appropriate because it's spring. So these wonderful things that are really important pillars to this therapeutic area and show its maturation are coming into place. Fabulous. It's just what it needed and it bringing that platform together. Fantastic. Congratulations to you and the team. I was thinking that guidelines without quality measures aren't really guidelines at all, right? Well, you need to have the guidelines first because it's not really fair to be assessing physicians or practices or health systems on things when the, when the medical societies or the, when the field and the specialists themselves have not defined what quality care looks like. NCQA is such a wonderful organization and I was excited to do uh, an episode of GLI Live with their CEO, Peggy O'Kane, to outline that there was this new option available to be able to have a white paper, even if it isn't a quality measure yet, but to have the NCQA process and imprimatur on a paper and on sort of a consensus document, even ahead of having ASLD guidelines updated in the way that we would like them and, and look forward to seeing them. So really uh, grateful that NCQA was so flexible in creating this new pathway and platform to be able to have this discussion, even while we're having the guidelines catch up. That wasn't really possible, um, or that hasn't, that's really rather unprecedented. So we're really excited that we were able to accomplish that. Louise Campbell. I think the other benefit of this, as you said earlier, is it's ahead of the Barcelona conference. And the one part on the agenda of the Barcelona conference that is not there is the quality metrics. It's about the science. It's about the meeting. And it's bringing, as Sean and Jeff described in the Surfing Nash recently, it's bringing all the components together. But unless you have the guidelines and the outcomes, you can't put the framework in. So for me as a nurse, I can't put nursing guidelines in to care for the people and the patients unless we've got the quality that we're aiming for. So the one thing I would still say about the conference is there's no nursing element. There's no distribution of care Mm -hmm. discussion in that. And that that may not be for this conference. That may be for further down the line because you've got to start at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Uh, Having these is absolutely vital. We've obviously got the RCN guidelines for the care of liver patients in the UK, which are one of the only ones. So these can be adapted now. These can be fitted around what physicians want as quality and what patients, more importantly, want as quality. How am I cared for? Who's going to do that care? What do I expect for them? All absolutely vital in developing that, not only in the US, but internationally, so that there is a standard that people can understand, people can get within their own care frameworks. So that's really good. Absolutely. If people don't know what to ask for, they can't advocate for themselves. These are really important bellwether. And to have them, you're absolutely right. In the UK, in the US, uh, you know, tailored to different health systems. So that's a really additional important aspect of it as well. Donnie, you may have missed this last week, but we did Harrisonisms last week. Everybody, we, we had the Stephen Harrison drinking game played with black coffee. You would have loved it a half an hour ago, but everybody had to come up with their favorite thing that Stephen says a lot. And I don't know about you, Louise, it's made me terribly self-conscious about what would happen if this happened to me. But if it did, one of the things I'm sure would show up is the phrase that people do what's inspected, not what's expected. And that goes back to this paper, right? Not only do patients not know what to ask for, mm-hmm. but if people don't know how they're evaluated, then you go back to the other line about if you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there. Right. Well, now we know where we're going. Between guidelines and, and the beginning of quality metrics, we know where we're going. So that's fantastically exciting. So let's see. I like to talk in threes. My mother in particular believes in the power of three and, and we are just post-Easter, so I'm very high on the trinity of things as magic. I also watched Spider-Man No Way Home and they sang three is a magic number at the end of that. So three is a powerful thing. 
Okay, so I'll, I'll have three things to announce in this episode. So the NCQA white paper on NASH is one. The American Heart Association scientific statement about the connection of NASH to cardiovascular disease, um, the formality, understanding, uh, knowing what that process is at the American Heart Association to know what that takes to, to get it to that level is really, it's really exciting to have that. And the third thing is, you know, the official launch of our Liver Health is Public Health campaign. And we've gotten a lot of questions about, well, what does that mean for NASH? Are, are you taking your attention away from NASH? And I just want to say not at all. If anything, this gives us a broader, bigger platform in which to talk about NASH. Anything that affects one in four or one in three people is a public health issue and it needs to be positioned as such. And I really think that this is the movement and the momentum that will allow NASH and hopefully, yes, all the other types of liver disease to come behind it, but a refocusing on liver health and all the things that you can do to prevent NASH, to prevent liver disease, that you can do to prevent or reverse course are so important to talk about from a public health standpoint and to engage all of the tools and people and policymakers and policy lovers that are available when you start talking about something as a public health initiative. And we need them all for NASH more than any other type of liver disease. You know, I was asked the other day, if you were to start a global movement that would impact the most people and enhance people's, you know, well-being the most, what would that be? Well, I'm like, well, I have started a global movement that is intent on impacting as many people as possible. And that is liver health as public health. If people pay attention to their liver health, because of the centrality of the liver, their cardiovascular health that, as AHA now, you know, recognizes their brain health, their overall health and well-being will be much the better. And surely the first disease that will be positively impacted by attention on liver health as a public health issue is NASH. Yeah, I think that's right. Oh, by the way, just for kicks, a group in South Korea today dropped a uh, refereed open access paper taking a look at the ability of NAFL to predict response to COVID during the first half of 2020. But we haven't heard a lot about in a while, but it comes back to a whole other, you know, a whole other element of, of uh, liver health, right? Absolutely. One of the things that we were and we've been talking about and, you know, in many different places and platforms, but but even in conversations with our, our friends at the National Institutes of Diabetes, Digestive and Kidney Diseases, NIDDK, within NIH, is that not only do we have more liver patients throughout COVID, whether it's because, you know, they've, they've missed appointments and their disease has progressed, but COVID itself is causing liver patients. It's causing liver damage and kidney damage. And, and so we need to look at that. So the overall pool of people people who are affected is only increasing in numerous ways from we see rises in alcohol disease, we see rises in cancer, we see rises in NASH, we see rises in pediatric NASH, and we then we see COVID-induced liver damage as well. And, and we don't want that to be ignored. That all makes sense to I me, mean, right? Every bad behavior that the pandemic amplified mm -hmm. all land in the liver. Well, I think, you know, every coping mechanism that so many of the coping mechanisms and choices that, that people felt compelled to make or, or were amplified during COVID. And it's interesting. There's sort of a spectrum. There were people who have never been more at peace, more exercising, more hiking, more outdoors, more Peloton, more whatever. That it, they emerge, you know, stronger and better. And then there's a, another segment of people and all too often it's black, brown or, you know, or poor people who had to stay at their jobs and, and couldn't take time off to get back 
vaccinated and, and, and for a host of other reasons that there's this whole other segment at the other end of the spectrum whose health is far worse at this point in the pandemic. And so it's not just people were making bad choices, is that people had uh, different coping mechanisms and access to different things to either make them well or to reinforce often their pre-existing conditions. Yeah, or as you point out, just didn't have the support or tools they needed to be able to take care of themselves because of society who's asking so much of them and giving them so little back. Right. You know, even during the course of this day, I had a different capabilities to respond to my workload based on, on how well I was feeling. And so if you don't have a strong foundation in mental health, if you don't have just a strong foundation in health, you know, and, and have energy and, and everything, then every choice is a hard choice. And the likelihood that you're going to make a so-called bad choice and choose sugar or a fatty food or binge TV shows instead of getting up is more likely to happen if you are not in the best mental state or you're not, your underlying physiology doesn't give you a lot of energy and things. It's a, a cycle that can either be virtuous or non-virtuous. It probably goes all the way to vicious, actually, not merely non-virtuous. It, it, it can, it can, and <laughs> yeah. I sell for a living, so I try to emphasize the positive. I don't sell quite as hard as you do, but I do sell for a living. But yeah, no, I, think, I think that's exactly right. And if you look at the rural northern United States and the pathologies of winter, or for example, Russia, I mean, it different now you know, a lot of alcohol, a lot of suicides, a lot of stuff, because because people just don't have the wherewithal in rural environments. Either if you have the personality or the personal strength, you can manage it. But if you don't, you're not going to get a lot of support anywhere. Right. One of the, in my infrequent but increasing number of outings, I had the opportunity to attend the Association of Black Cardiologists Cardio Justice session a day uh, in the half in which the now and once again, uh, FDA Commissioner Rob Califf gave the keynote. And part of Dr. Califf's uh, presentation was on the lower life expectancy that we have. And, and particularly, he honed in on the increasing disparities, both racial and ethnic disparities. So African-American and Hispanic life expectancies having a much steeper downward trajectory, but also for those in, in rural America. And so you know, as the Global Liver Institute thinks about our programs and partnerships, and we're very always proud that the Association of Black Cardiologists is one of them. How can we meet the needs of communities better? And how can we define communities broadly enough to reach everybody who is affected, not just those who are already diagnosed and designated as liver patients and, and claim that identity, but how can we reach people sooner? And I think that that will mean that our Liver Action Network members which now stretch across 42 states and Canada, and, uh, as well as the partnerships that we have outside of the United States, um, will all need a different definition of who, who they partner with to advance liver health and, and to give liver information and to support people and families who are at risk for or experiencing liver disease. And now back to Roger. We hope you've enjoyed this recording. If you have any questions or comments about the content of this conversation or either of the episodes, please send an email to questions at surfingnash.com. We'll be back next week with our preview of the 5th Global Nash Congress taking place in London at the end of May. Until then, stay safe, surf on, and we'll see you on the podcast. Bye-bye now. <laughs>